0: Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes. To share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact his kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. Yeah, what's up? What's up? How's everybody doing out there? Y'all good? Merry Christmas. Come on. It's Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, we are live noon in LaGrange. What's up everybody down there? Down the 85 quarter, We're going to have a good time. It's Christmas, right? So you've probably been doing what I've been doing and spending hours of your life pouring hours of your life out shopping for endless Christmas gifts. Am I right? I mean, a massive list. You know, there's aunts, uncles, boys and girls. There's like the family down the street. I mean, why are we buying presents for so many people? But you know that this is very, very important because if you get this wrong at Christmas, you will be judged for the rest of the year on that present. Am I right? And here's the secret. Like, don't, just don't, don't try it, okay? Just ask the person, right? Just say, hey, bro, sis, What can I get you for Christmas this year, okay? Because if you guess at that, I have found 95% of the time you're just wrong. You're wrong. They hate the present. They're going to take it back. So here's what you do. Save yourself the trouble, okay? Make the phone call. Send the text. What you getting for Christmas? Now, you do risk something if you do this, right? Because they could send back that brand new Patagonia sweater that's like 100 freaking dollars, right? So you've got to be prepared for that in case that happens. But Jackie and I have been shopping incessantly. We've been going crazy. And our goal this year was to try and do all of our shopping online, right? Okay, that's our goal. And so you know as well as I do what that means. That means Amazon.com, right? It's a one-stop shop. We go there for everything, it's amazing, and we were so close this year, so close to achieving our goals, but one present eluded us, and it was the water baby, don't tell my girls, okay, the water baby, I don't know what was up with the water babies this year, they were online, but they were all available after Christmas, or like $100, okay, and I'm not going to pay that. So we do have to go out, brave the streets, see if we can figure out how to find the water baby this year. But maybe you've been like me and just pouring over, okay, what am I going to get people for Christmas? Hopefully you're already done with all that. You look like smart people. You're probably done months ago. I'm not that way. But you know what? Here's the, You're probably like me writing lots of checks in this season. Am I right? Or, or maybe you're not writing checks. I don't know if even people do that anymore, like actually write checks. How many of you actually still write a check? I have a paper check. I haven't seen one in a couple of years myself. We do all our banking online, but I got to thinking about this. And I remember back when I was in grade school, I believe it was ninth grade, when I actually, there was something that I received, okay? I went home to my mom and dad and was like, hey mom, hey dad, I've got this technology fee, right? I need you to take care of this for me. And they were like, how much is the technology fee? I'm like, in ninth grade. I mean, I, I'm lucky. you're lucky that I actually told you that I have a technology fee, right? I can't remember this amount. So you know what they did. They wrote me what? A blank check. Oh, yeah. This was insane. How many of you have ever ever actually been recipients of a blank check? That's not yours, of course. A recipient of a blank check. How many only a handful of people here. Oh my goodness. Okay. So then, so they handed me a blank check and I'm like, what are you doing? You fools. Like, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. So they handed me a blank check, but seriously, all the things that went through my mind, like just nefarious, I was like a hooligan, you know, just sitting there plotting and scheming, but also it was an interesting feeling. I had this simultaneous experience where if I did anything nefarious with this check, my parents would get medieval on me, like go straight Agrabah and cut off both my hands or something. So I was terrified at this prospect. So I got my blank check in hand. I'm going to school and, you know, I I ended up, you know, cashing it, wrote the $13, whatever it was, technology thing. And I was like, what a waste. A blank check for 13 bucks? Are you joking me? So for those of you who haven't yet had the experience of the blank check, I wanted to bring you in and help you to enjoy this. So Melissa, could you actually bring out, everybody give Melissa a hand. Isn't she lovely? She's fantastic. Thank you, Melissa. Here, right now, here is your blank check, okay? So just emotionally go there with me. I'm gonna, this is right here, it's for all of you, all right? All of you here today, this is your blank check in Noonan and LaGrange. You all get one, okay? And here it is. Now, of course, as you see this, and this was the same problem I ran into, it's all dependent, right? The blank check all depends on what? Who's writing the check, correct? And so, like, whoever's name ends up being on this line right here, that's a big part of this, right? Am I right? So if you got Jake Dukes on that line, I'm sorry, your credit's not going very far with that blank check. I'm just going to go tell you right now. I just spent it all on Christmas presents, okay? Which is one of the downfalls, by the way, of buying everything online. You get to see everything you spend all at once right there at the same. It was an awful, horrible experience. I've never lived through it. So, but you know what? Here's, here's the cool part. It depends on who is actually writing the check jake dukes not such a big deal bill gates however bill gates writes a blank check to you man that's that's a little bit more significant isn't it but here's the deal to think about even if it's bill gates right every single blank check that could be written has its limits so what if there was a reality where there really was a true blank check Because it all depends on who's writing the check. But what if there was a person who could write a check where the possibilities were truly endless? Can it be true that there's actually much more for you and me out there? Can it be that we actually do have a blank check? Now, I'm talking about now, I've moved beyond money, I've moved beyond finances, we're talking about who we are in Christ, and we're talking about what is available to us in our relationship with God. Could it be true that God has so much more planned for you and for me? You see, I believe that deep in the heart of every one of us is a desire to experience this kind of abundance in our lives. You see, what if God has planned some things that are impossible for you to do without Him coming through for you? What if there are some things, some dreams that God has given each and every one of you that are going to require the power, resources, and faith of a blank check? Can you begin to dream with me this morning about what God might want for us individually, but also corporately as a church, Southcrest here in Noonan and in LaGrange? What if God has got bigger plans for us than we could even imagine that require the faith, resources, and power of a blank check? You see, this sermon isn't about how much money we spent or did not spend at Christmas this season on whatever it was that we spent it on. This sermon is about awakening our hearts, our true heart's desire for more in God. And he does have more for all of us. God has some incredible promises for the church, and we're going to look at them today. And most of us haven't even begun to dream big enough what God has in store for all of us. So let's pray and dive in. Father God, thank you for your word. We ask that you would pour out over us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can understand every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. So. This morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn over there in your Bible or flip there in your notebook or iPad or whatever it is you've got, then uh, we're going to be looking at a, Paul, at a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And really, he prayed this prayer for the church in the whole world. For In, in his time and in all the years to come, Paul is praying for the church specifically he 's praying to the, for the Ephesian Church in the passage that we 're going to be looking at so if you 're here for the first time okay or maybe you're here and you like are not very religious maybe it 's been a while since you have been to church maybe you 've never been to church at all and you're just like here it 's Christmas why not i 'll give it a shot and you 're thinking man what is going on here guess what if you 're not very religious I, let me just put you at ease we 're not really very religious either okay if you hang around here long enough you 'll begin to see that you know what we actually you may think You've done a lot of sin or whatever, or done things bad. We've probably done twice as much, okay? We've probably got you licked. So re- just relax. And the passage specifically we're going to be looking at this morning is actually a passage that's going to challenge every single one of us because we're talking about what, a, what it looks like to live a normal Christian life. Most of us who are followers of Jesus are really still trying to figure out what it even means to live a normal Christian life. Christian life. And so today, here in this place, Noonan, LaGrange, we are all beginners today in Christ, okay? So you know what? If you're new, if you're, you're going to love it. This, is, this message is just for you, and it's for all of us as well. So what is this passage? This passage is like a reset button for your faith. What is possible in our life because of Jesus Christ? And more specifically, what power is available to those of us who believe in Jesus, That's what we're going to be talking about today. So Ephesians 1, let's jump in here. Verse 17 says, I keep on asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul starts off by praying for the Ephesians and their church that they would have a greater experience of who God is. That's what Paul is talking about. He says, I pray that you may have an understanding that through the spirit and through this spirit of wisdom and revelation, Paul is saying, I want your experience of God to change. You see, here's the thing about our relationship with God. It's one thing to know God through what we've heard about him, right? And it's another thing to know him from our experience of him. It's one thing to know God through what we've heard about him from others, and it's another thing to know him through our experience of him. Paul's saying, I want to change your experience in your relationship with God. And so what fuels us, what fuels us from moving to what we've heard to actually living it out so it's something that we experience? Paul tells us it's this spirit of wisdom and revelation. Alright, so I'm gonna break those two things down. What is wisdom? Wisdom is just the ability to know what to do at the right time to do it. That's wisdom. What is revelation? Revelation, that's like a spiritual word. What does that even mean, okay? Well, here's what the idea is. If you look at the context and look at the etymology of that word, it's actually the idea of removing a veil. Pulling away a veil. And so you can get the picture if you think about going into a room and you've got all the blinds drawn on a window, and you go to that window and you throw open all the blinds so that you can see clearly to the world outside. Okay? That's what it's about. Revelation is about throwing the blinds apart so that you can see clearly the world outside. I remember when I first got married with my, to my wife, this was back 15 years ago. And she, we did it the old fashioned way, okay? She was, we, we decided that I wasn't gonna see her the entire day until I got to see her at the top of the aisle. And so there I am, my brother, my dad is with me, he's doing the ceremony, all my friends are around, and then the door, you know, like the song comes on and everybody stands in the Doors swing open at the top of the aisle, and I'm just locked in. I'm like staring. There's Jackie at the back of the church, and I see her, and it's just like, oh, my goodness, everything like totally blurred away. All I could see was her glorious face coming down the aisle. I start crying. I lose it. I'm like, what is happening? I told myself I was going to pull this together, but I'm losing it in front of everyone like an idiot. I don't even care. She's coming down the aisle, and before I know it, she's there. I'm like floating off the ground. She's there right in front of me, and there's Brian, and he takes off her veil, and it was like seriously the sun had come out. It was this incredible experience. Those of you who've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And like light was shining off her face or something. I don't even know. Maybe it was just the lights bouncing. I don't know what it was, but it was incredible for me, okay? And so there she is in her glory, and I'm like, I made a vow right there. I am going to live my life forever in service to this woman. And the veil of her face was lifted, but a veil came off of my life. There was a whole new trajectory for me in my life after that moment. I believe that God wants us to have those experiences with him every single day. Do you hear me, church? God wants to pull the veil off of our experience of him so that we can see the world clearly. And that's what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. That they may have moved from knowledge of him to experience of him. And the way that that happens is a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon them. I am praying that for our church all the time. Because I believe that God has so much more in store for every single one of us. So let's keep moving here. This passage... We're now in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is talking about a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And here's the reason why we fail to experience the things in God. You see, there are new experiences that God has for you and for I that we know nothing about that God wants to give us. And there's really one qualifier. It's like, hey, if you will do this, I will pour out incredible experience of my, experiences of my glory. What is that qualifier? What is the catch? If we will simply ask. Listen, the reason we fail to receive is that we fail to ask. Who is God for you? How majestic is he to you? How glorious? Do you want more of him? Listen to what James says. James four two. Do You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You see, it's not that we want too much out of life. It's that we are content with far too little. It's not that we want too much out of life. It's just we're content with far too little. It's like we're children who don't understand that there is this glorious thing waiting for us, and all we can do is want it when we see it in other people. And instead of actually putting in the work to go after it ourselves, we, me, Jake, I just covet what somebody else has. I'm like, man, look at what they've got. Look at what they figured out. Oh, man, I just want that. Instead of actually putting in the work to say, God, what do you want to give me personally? Because we do not ask God, we don't want to do the work of finding out what it means to have those incredible experiences that God wants us to have. You see, we have these desires, and they're designed to be met in our relationship with God. So, he is the source of life. Let's keep reading and see what else Paul has to say. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people And his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is the heart of the passage, really the heart of the book, the heart of our Christian experience. Paul is praying three specific things, but what does he say first? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What's Paul saying? He's saying, Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Do you see what I see? And more importantly, do you see what God sees? Because God sees something incredible for you, and Paul's about to lay it out. Three very specific things. What are they? Paul is saying the hope. First of all, he says, do you see the hope to which he has called you? Secondly, do you see the glorious inheritance of his people? And thirdly, do you see his incomparably great power to us who believe? Three huge ideas, three monumental ideas. We're going to take the next couple minutes, break those three things down so that we can see what God sees for us as a church. First off, the hope to which he has called you. Let's talk about that. Biblical hope. What is it? Joyful anticipation of something good in this life and in the next. You see, we are not in heaven. I don't know if you noticed. But we're not in heaven. But this is very important. God sent Jesus Christ as a baby. Why do we celebrate Christmas? What is the big deal? Yeah, Jesus, awesome, okay. Thank you for raising your hand. I appreciate that. You can answer that question afterwards to me, me and you personal. Yeah, why has God sent Jesus Christ to the earth? What is going on there? God sent Jesus to be a deposit of a whole new reality for all of mankind. You see, Jesus showed up as a human to show us a whole new way to be human Have you ever thought about that? Jesus came as a man. He had to come as a man because he wants to redeem what it means to be human. So when you see Jesus walking around in the old in the New Testament, in all the letters, what you're seeing is a reality that is designed for us to live. And so when Jesus came to earth, that was God's deposit He's saying, all right, I'm making good on the promise. This promise that I've made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob since the beginning of the foundation of the world to Adam and Eve to go and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it and to multiply, all of it has been wrecked because of sin, but Jesus Christ I'm sending to right everything. So he's going to bring about a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. So one day, yes, we will be perfected, but right now we are designed to live in a new reality. Jesus began something, and it's the hope that Paul is talking about right here. He's talking about the inauguration of a new heavens, a new earth, a new cosmos, a new creation, a new humanity. Don't believe me? Go to Colossians chapter 1. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to restore all things, bring about a new heaven and a new earth here now. Not in this, just in the sweet by and by. Not one day when we all get to play harps in heaven, I hope to God that's not what we're only doing. But right here, right now, today, he wants to bring about a whole new reality. And we, you, me, us, here, Noonan LaGrange, we are the agents that God has chosen to bring about that new reality. Do you see what I see? Do you understand the hope to which you have been called? What is hope in the Bible? Hope is the joyful anticipation of good. Hope is the joyful anticipation of good. What's a great way to illustrate this? I don't know. Well, think about this. Christmas morning at the Duke's house, okay? And I'm not talking about me and my four sweet little daughters. That's not where I'm going. I'm going all the way back to Jake Dukes, seven years old, and four siblings chilling out Christmas morning, okay? I'm about to paint the picture for you because every single one of you do this. I've already heard from like a dozen people, you all do the same thing. I don't know what this is, if it's torture, what's going on, if parents are like, I'm going to write everything wrong that my kids did by forcing them to do this, but you know what happens. It's early Christmas morning, everybody comes downstairs. You don't get to go in, do you? Where do you go? You go to the steps. You wait on the steps in file until mom and dad are perfectly ready to get, unveil the Christmas explosion, right? And mom and dad have got to take 100 million billion pictures right there on the steps. And everyone at the Duke's house is like shaking, like literally, where are you going to let us free? I remember one year, I think, I can't tell you who, which one it was, but one of my siblings peed themselves. They were so excited. They were so ready for what was to come. That is joyful anticipation. Christmas morning, sitting on the steps. And guess what? Now each and every one of you who are parents, you get to inflict this on your children. You had to sit through it for years. Now it's your turn. This is one of those secret codes that get passed from parent to parent. I don't know how this works. But everybody knows about this rule, and yet we don't talk about it. But here we've talked about it. But, so in this fun and exciting? That, here's the cool thing. Every day in the Christian life is designed to be that way. Joyful anticipation of the good. As Christians, we are designed to be looking around the corner for what's next. And either the breakthrough is happening or it's coming in our life. That's the way God has designed us to live. It's the hope to which we have been called in Christ Jesus. I mean, do we even understand Christmas? Good night, we celebrate the presents, we celebrate the tinsel, we celebrate decorations and putting up holly everywhere bro, we have got the savior of the world who inaugurated a whole new way to be human, who has redeemed us back to God and has made a way for us to have a relationship with him and then be his agents in all of creation. Come on. That is exciting. That's what Christmas is all about. Am I right? So... Secondly, we've got, a, we've got this hope, this joyful anticipation. Secondly, do you see what God sees? God sees a glorious inheritance for his people. A glorious inheritance for his people. Let me tell you a story about Thomas Martinez. This is a guy who's living in Santa Cruz. And one day, he, he's a homeless man living on the streets. He's got nothing to his name. One day, he sees two unmarked policemen coming towards him. They call out to him, Thomas, come here. He freaks out. He takes off. They can't find him to this day. What Thomas didn't know was those two policemen were actually trying to locate him because they wanted to tell him that he was the benefactor of a $6 million inheritance. He had a wife. They got divorced. She came into a fortune she left him $6 million. Google it. You think $6 million is a lot of money? Guess what we have as an inheritance? The Spirit of God living inside of us. What? What? The Spirit of God living inside of us. Jesus said, it's better that I should go back to heaven because I'm going to give you an advocate who is actually going to remind you of everything I ever did and empower you to do everything I ever did. So now we have, those who are in Christ, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. That's a little bit better than $6 million, wouldn't you say? But we're walking around like Thomas. Aren't we? We're living like we're homeless people. We're acting like we're home. We're running because we don't even understand the power of God in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit alive in us. Jesus said, I'm leaving you my spirit because our life is designed to be a life of power and breakthrough. You see, we're powered, our life, our spirit is powered by like this Formula One race car and we're driving it around like it's a golf cart. I have a golf cart, it's pretty fantastic. Doesn't make for a good Formula One race car though, right? But that's the way that we live our lives. We have an inheritance that we can't even begin to understand, the spirit of God living inside of us. What is he there to do? Number three... God sees, what does God see? Incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power. Paul starts acting like a middle school girl writing a love note. Incomparably great power, right? He's like adjective upon adjective. You're like my ooey, gooey, gushy, wooey, whatever. Whatever. Seriously, look at these words. If you, if you like, transliterate them into English, the word for, uh, for incomparably is hooper, the word for uh, great is megathos, and the word for power is dunamis. So if you want to just kind of paint a picture in English of what this is, it's the super megaton dynamite of God. That sounds like something my fifth grader would say, right? What is that? What does that even mean? Tim Keller says it this way. He says he's just piling adjective upon adjective to say God's power is beyond, beyond. It's beyond, beyond. Whatever that is, it's beyond it. That's a lot of power. And that's what's available to those of us who are in Christ who believe. You understand what I'm doing here with us this morning? We got to stir up our faith, church. We got to believe God for more. He has got so much more out there for us. And I'm talking individually to each and every one of you right now, because you know what? If, if you've got one guy out there making the charge, leading it, you know, and he turns around and he's alone, that's actually not very fun. But if you take every single person collectively here in Noonan and LaGrange and the future campuses and people who are going to come to our church and you say, what if we all woke up and God released in us this expectation that nothing will stop us? What in the world could happen? I can't even imagine. I can't even begin to imagine. But every single person here, every student, every child, every woman, every man... God has something incredible for you to do. It's time for our dreams in him to wake up. For us to go do the impossible because we have been given the spirit of God in our lives. So how great is this power really, Jake? How great is it really? Well, cool. Paul tells us. He says, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. That's a lot of authorities that he has beaten. Like things, creatures I don't even know about in this age and in the age to come. There's like some nasties out there that I haven't even dreamed of. I don't even know what's out there. Jesus is saying, I've defeated every one of them. Every ruler, every power, every authority are laid under his feet. And so here's the question for all of us today. What has power over us? What are we allowing to have power over us? Is it our fear? Our anxiety? Stress? Addiction? Maybe it's our selfishness. Maybe it's our failures. What is it? The lack of finances? Is it loss? Is it just gripping anger that wants to explode every time you don't get your way? What is it that holds power over you? This verse is telling us that God has defeated it. It has already been. Defeated in Jesus' name. He's not even standing at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting. He's like a lazy boy. Because it's already done. It's already finished. What does this mean? What does it mean that Christ has defeated every single power? Well, do I even need to ask the question? It means we win. Right? It means nothing can stand against us. It means nothing will defeat us. It means that we have a blank check. We have the power of God and we have every enemy defeated. Are you joking me? It's right here in black and white. The spirit of God is inside of us. Nothing on earth or out of the earth or in any realm, any age can come against us because Jesus Christ has already defeated them. What is the secret to this victorious life in Christ? Jake, I hear you talking about it. My faith is stirred. I want it. I want to go there. How do I get there? Well, Paul tells us and through a combination of verses, the words of Jesus, we begin to understand what is required. Two things, believe and abide. Believe and abide. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Whatever you desire. Think about that word desire. Desire, break it down. D of sire, father. Who is fathering your desires? When you abide in Christ, you ask whatever you desire, and it happens. That's what God promises us. I want to give you an example of how this worked in the life of a guy who basically was the father inventor of this. You got a cell phone? You guys use one of these? Of course you do. Tethered to them. Sometimes I want to throw it. But it truly has done a lot of incredible things for our society. Think about the ways that God has used telecommunications for his glory. I get to text friends' verses. The father of this invention, Samuel Morse, the guy who invented the telegraph telecommunication, was once asked in the process of his his experimentation Hey, do you ever hit any roadblocks? Do you ever get stopped? Do you ever just hit dry? You ever run out of ideas? Here's what he said. Oh, many times, whenever I was baffled and frustrated, I went to my knees and asked God for light and understanding. He showed me the way. I believe God wanted the telegraph to be invented because he knew what it would mean to mankind. After the invention of the telegraph, I received many honors, but I feel undeserving of these honors. I've made a valuable application of electricity, not because of superior gifts or abilities, but because God was pleased to answer my prayers and reveal to me a few of the wonderful secrets of the universe. A few of the wonderful secrets of the universe. How'd you like to know a couple of those? Guess what? God has them available for you and me. He wants to show us incredible things. We haven't even begun to imagine what God wants to do through us if we will but seek, abide, and ask. So here's your one point of application for today. Pray and then act on your prayers. Pray big, but then act on your prayers. And I'm not talking about just praying, just kind of wimpy prayers. I'm talking about all of hell and everything that would stand against the ways of God have already been defeated. So you pray from a place from a place of victory, and then see what God wants to do in your life. Do you see what God sees? In your family situation? How do you see your spouse? How do you see your kids? Are you fed up? Are you just like, I'm done with this? Have you given up? How does God see your situation? Well, He's just getting started. Because He sees your spouse and your kids in a totally different way. Are you willing to get on your knees and declare the kingdom of God over your family? What about your job? Is it a dead end job? You think God worked all of creation around to put you in that place just so you could be frustrated and angry and bitter? I'm stuck, Jake. You don't know my job. I know my God. He wants to bring about a miraculous work at your place of work. Will you believe him? Will you pray? Will you ask? Will you seek? Have you come to God for his solution? There are things out there that God will keep you from doing and keep you from succeeding in because he wants to do something supernatural. What did Sean say? Don't trade what's humanly probable for something that's heavenly possible. God wants to do something incredible in your situation if you will but ask. See, Christ is ruling and reigning. The check has been signed. It's got Jesus Christ's name on the line. We have it. Let's act out of the church, amen? Let's pray together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.